Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. A drink with you all damn night. Not trying to trade up. If we don't find money, then what we got, honey, is just enough. We got some extra. Hey, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us. We are so happy to have a returning novelist, Jessica Nolas, with us. And she wrote uh, the book, The Luckiest Girl Alive, which we had you on, I think, about a year ago, Jessica. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe a little longer ago. Uh, Yeah, the paperback came out two years ago, and the hardcover came out three. All right. It felt like just last year because it was really one of our favorite books, Luckiest Girl Alive, and we were so excited. We read about that it was going to be a movie. And Has um, that started? uh, Well, there's always stuff going on with it. We're in the, you know, in kind of... Talk to the director right now. So, you know, okay. they have the script and yeah, it's yeah. moving along. How exciting. Okay, so your latest book, your second book, which is equally uh, entertaining oh. and uh, delicious and just amazing, is called The Favorite Sister. And we would love it if you could give the setup of uh, this very dazzling book. Uh, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for that. It's mm-hmm. about uh, five women who live in New York City. Um, who compete on a reality TV show that's sort of like a cross between The Real Housewives and Shark Tank. And you know on the first page that the fan favorite has uh, has been murdered, but you don't know who did it um, and you don't know why. And it quickly becomes apparent that any of her cast members, um, including her own sister, may have motive. It's so good. Mm-hmm. It's Thank so you. deliciously good. And then... You know, you go back and forth by who the narrator is. Yeah, who's telling the story. Who's telling the story. It's so good. Neither of us, We. Ha- I have like about... I have 30 pages I left. Have, so I have like I'm 40 on, pages. I'm right on the... We're both on the cusp yes. of the cliff, cliffhanger and finding out we deliberately did not want to be finished because then we can't um, spoil anything if we don't know. Those oh, last- good. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, how did you... I mean, you know, it had been, like you said, you know, three years since your last book came out in hardcover. Was yeah. this was this something that you always wanted to write about or what was your inspiration for writing The Favorite Sister? Well, I, you know, I, it was the, my last book came out three years ago, um, and I was really kind of stuck on what I wanted my second book to be about. I also took on, you know, too many other projects, um, between writing Luckiest Girl and writing this one. So 
and I moved across the country, oh. and I was really tapped out uh, yep. kind of creatively and emotionally and all these different things. And um, I'm a huge reality TV show fan, especially of The Housewives. <laughs> and one day I was with a friend, and we just decided to, like, go back and watch one of the first seasons of Housewives, the New York franchise. And I was really struck by how emotionally invested I was in the friendship between Bethany Frankel and Jill Zarin. Same, same. Yeah, and how heartbroken I was when it started to unravel. Um, And I kind of realized, like, there's, like, a lot of, like, built, there's, like, a built-in plot here. There's, like, built-in grudges, resentments, like, real love for each other. And it felt like it would, it was a, you know, setting that would lend itself very well um, to a novel. And you're right, because one of the things that I think intrigues anyone who enjoys reality TV is that you it is like fun to just get involved, even though we might be side-eyeing some of the stuff and we think, are they doing this for a storyline? But we only think that now because we know a little bit more about exactly. how reality TV, but it's like, do the people change after the first season? Because how do you not become a narcissist being a star in reality TV? Yeah, I mean, definitely. And I think uh, one of the things about that also intrigued me about this world is like anyone, you can't really trust anyone in these worlds because you don't know anymore, you know, what, what they consider reality, what their motives are, you know, nothing feels pure, nothing feels like trustworthy. Um, and so it's a very, they have kind of a very, the characters have a slippery grasp on reality. And when you want to write a book that has tension and intrigue and murder and all of that, like you need those types of narrator, narrators in it. And did you and, do some um, research as far as like, you know, kind of how they work it on the producing side, you know, having the so-called martini shot yeah. at the end of the day, you know, did you do some, um, because you're, you know, you wrote for, you know, you know, Cosmo and Sal, so you uh, you know how to investigate stories and, mm-hmm. and tell them. So did you do some of that? I did. I did do um, a fair amount of research. Surprisingly, um, people in the reality TV world are very tight-lipped, um, and they do not. It was hard to get people to talk, really? and they do not let people on set because it it disrupts the feeling of reality. Right. It feels like there's this whole kind of camera crew and, you know, people, you know, people are yeah. watching and whatever. I, you know, I don't know. I was able to talk to an agent um, for some of these reality TV stars. I was able to talk to an editor on Keeping Up with the Kardashians, though that was less about getting, like, getting them to spill the tea and more about, okay, like when do you shoot the confessionals sure. versus right. when you shoot the kind of action. So there were, I was able to get people to talk about the logistics of things, right. but because I am such a big fan and I do read all the blogs and I listen to the podcast recaps and like I get really down and dirty in the comment sections too, because people are always down there like speculating, like I heard this and I heard that. Yeah. Um, so I got a lot, a lot of ideas from the comment sections as well. That's and, great. I just, I love the- Well, and also what you explore, like, you know, with Brett, you know, who's, you know, heavier, and you explore race. I mean, you do you have do. a lot that's that's in this that does um, resonate with people on a lot of different different levels. I mean, we've just not been able to put the 
favorite sister down. It's really it's, it's so, so good. good. Thank you. It's so good. <laughs> Was that deliberate though? With you know, you wanted to maybe highlight race and uh, color and it's, lesbian and you know, did you want to like like well, almost I'm, more like a reality show that isn't really there. Yeah, it's not, it's, you know, the reality show is not something that we actually have on our, the yeah. reality show I created in the book is not something that we actually have on our TV screens. But they could. That's a good um, idea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, my thinking behind that really was that, like, I adapted my first book into a screenplay and then from there got a few other screenwriting jobs. And None of the projects that I took on, um, they were all, either it was an adaptation of my own novel or it was adaptations of other people's books. And there were no roles written for people of color, uh, for people who were members of the LGBTQ Mm -hmm. community, who had different physicality. And at the same time, I was reading a lot about the need for more representation on screen and thinking, well, like... I'm not doing anything to contribute. I'm a storyteller. I'm a content creator, but I'm not doing my part to to contribute there. So um, when I wrote my second book, of course, hoping that it would get an adaptation in some form, um, which it is going to get, and I'm hoping to be able to share that news soon. Um, But I, I wanted the adaptation to be more inclusive in terms of the types of roles and the types of lives that it would explore. And I really wanted to push myself and, you know, get, get into the minds of women who've lived different lives than me, who have had different experiences than I've had. Um, because my first book really was like based so much on my own experiences. Right. Yes. This this is just so it's a page turner. It's a great summer read. Now tell us it. It's called the favorite mm -hmm, sister. Are, Are any of the, um, do we just have to guess which real life reality stars are, might be inspired? by a couple of the fictional ones? Yeah, I mean, I always say, like, you don't have to watch reality TV to enjoy the book. Um, But if you do watch, you should be able to recognize, like, some... Some characters, you mm-hmm. know, and mm-hmm. like some of the characters are like amalgams of like different various housewives. But you know, to the seasoned viewer, they 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 will be able to know just by Lori. Yeah, well, Lori watches every housewife. Well, I I see there's shades of uh, Mar- uh, Ramona and the Countess. Um, yeah. With the one chick who's the big drinker, right, um, and is very elusive with what she shows and wants to only present, mm-hmm. you know, the pretty facade of um, perfection, right. You know, so there are because there are stereotypes. Jessica, did you watch that show on Lifetime, Unreal? Yes, I oh, love Unreal. Obsessed, yeah, We're obsessed, yeah, yeah. Because I feel like, um, you know, that it also is a story that sort of sheds light on the Bachelorette well, series. Yeah, and what does it mean to just like really lay out your life like this? Right, right. Yes, and I think that I think one of the most interesting things. Um, as you watch is like that these women kind of harden into um, these, like their identities harden in a way when you watch the first seasons of the show, they're much softer, they're much more reasoned, they're much more logical. And it's fascinating to me what several seasons on a show will do to a person. And I'm always fascinated, like when the cameras aren't rolling, like, 
is this just who they are now? Or mm-hmm. do they, you know, like that was like something I wanted to explore in this book because it just, it just seemed like to me, like so compelling. Like who are these people when the cameras stop rolling? Like, is this really who they are now? You know, or yeah. like, are they acting? You and know? you can so feel I, that. Yeah, you can because, feel that. Like the you, race to find a storyline, the race for age, you yeah. know, and things mm-hmm. like that. The I pressure. Mean, I think of like what you said about the Jill Zarin and Bethany Frankel. And oh. you know, I think Jill Zarin, people just turned away from her. Andy didn't have any choice to recast her because she was just a nut about that fight. It made mm-hmm. no sense. Yeah, and I think she was also trying to produce a little. Yeah. And, you know, I'd always heard that she um, enlisted the other women to not film with Bethany, which uh, is something that we see happen yes. in the book as well. Stephanie enlists the other cast members not to film with Brett, um, and that really blew up in her face. And... um and yeah, so yeah, I all over the years I've been kind of like storing these, these little like, you know, behind the scenes like rumors I've read about or heard about, and they served me well in creating this story. It's it's, it's really good. Okay, so we'll wait to hear about probably Reese Witherspoon adapting the favorite <laughs> sister, and it's going to be the next big little eyes on HBO. And then is the movie um, for the. Um, Luckiest Girl Alive, is that going to be a movie? That's a movie. Okay, um, that is a movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Such a good book. It's such a treat talking to you, Jessica. Congratulations on all your Thank success. You. The favorite so sister. Much. We've got a couple copies if you call us at 651 yep. 641-1071. Delightful. What do we got when we're coming back? Oh, uh, when we come back, uh Madonna's house in uh, Beverly Hills is for sale. <clears throat> we only need thirty five million dollars, people. <laughs> 